Hello, Wheeling Wildcats. Welcome to the WCAT The Den podcast. My name is Jeremy, and here is our special guest today, Principal Cook. Hello, everyone. All right. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well, Jeremy. Thank you for inviting me and having me here on the podcast. Yeah, thank you for being on here. I'm really excited. Same here. So um, this is your third year at Wheeling High School. And so when you started here, what was going through your mind when you started your job at Wheeling? So when I uh, was hired here, I was kind of told that this was a great school that just wasn't really happy at the time. And they just didn't feel like they were reaching their full potential and operating at their full capacity. And so I came in and really took some time to get to know the school Mm -hmm. and get to know adults, get to know students and really try to start making people feel proud about what they were accomplishing here. Um, I think it's very important for people to have pride in their workplace, their school, and so I really tried to focus my first couple years on building up the the culture and the pride around Wheeling High School. And how do you feel that has been going since you've been here for three years? I think it's gone very well. I think it's been very uh, receptive. I've been, people have been very receptive to me and my efforts around that. Students will often say that uh, they're excited about being students here on Fridays. We see more and more blue and purple being worn. Mm -hmm. Kids are showing up at events. Teachers are saying the same thing, like for the first time in a long time. Kids are excited about being uh, at, at Wheeling High School and attending things and, and uh, have a lot of pride in being mm-hmm. Wildcats. Right, yeah, and that's it's always the goal for you know, sure. being in high school. And then um, basically kind of going into that, so um, I found as being a student here that Wheeling has a very certain culture about, our, about ourselves. And how do you think that makes us unique and different from other high schools in the district? Yeah, so um, we we're very we're very different in the sense that I often use the term like salt of the earth. Hmm. Like our students are your everyday typical uh, students who are facing the realities of mm-hmm. life. Yeah, and. Uh, we and we value and we appreciate everything we have and that's just it's it's a special place when you're with students and they realize that they're being given a great opportunity and they have pride in that and that's what I really want to do is kind of tap into that and let students know that they can be proud of where they're at and where they're going Mm -hmm. and you know, often we'll, I, like on Twitter, I'll use a hashtag, the Wheeling Way, or that's so Wheeling, uh, because like we have the best students around. People will say that. They come in and they're just like, your kids are so nice. They're so special. Uh, they're so polite. And now, you, I mean, we're in a school and you have a, there's always um, degrees of, compliance and conformity and behavior but overall like our students just knock it out of the park in terms of being great human beings (laughs) and would you say that that was kind of the foundation of the whole wheeling way concept absolutely um we do things a little bit differently around Mm -hmm. here and i think that's that's what we're proud about um 
we don't necessarily follow all the rules. Right. We don't necessarily follow uh, the typical path. I think we have an opportunity to to try things and push the envelope um, and just, like I said, do things a little bit differently. And that's our, the wheeling way. Right. And I've noticed that there's a, um, a theme of ha- making sure that everyone has pride in that we are different than other schools. Um, how, what are some ways that we, uh, that you try to tell everyone that it's okay to have that pride and to make sure that everyone has that pride in what we do as students here? Yeah, I think I try to show people that whether it's how we highlight things. So for example, when you first walk into our building off of Elmhurst Road, door one, we have a huge display that highlights not only our top academic students, but our students who have earned industry-recognized certificates and credentials. And so if in other schools, we may just recognize the, 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 what we call the smartest kids, the kids who have the highest SAT scores. And we're saying, you know what, if you're working towards your goals and your dreams, then you, we want to recognize you also. And mm-hmm. so you can do things differently. Um, in, in today's economy and world, you, you are going to have to go to some type of after high school training college doesn't mean you necessarily have to go to a four-year degree it doesn't mean that you can't go into an apprenticeship for a little bit then go to a four-year college Uh, you can do things differently and that's how we try that's one way we do that Uh, anytime we're in front of the crowd of students at an assembly or something trying to show people that there are alternatives that you can do things differently all of the uh, fine arts that we have, we promote that. Uh, even this, like the podcast, um, I've tweeted this out. Like this is something <laughs> different. A lot of people don't have, and so we're doing things differently, and that and that's okay. Our flex days, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, that's completely different, um, and that causes stress for people. It causes a little anxiety because it's so different. And that's one way of saying, look, we're gonna struggle through this and we're gonna continuously improve because doing things differently is okay. Mm -hmm. Even when it doesn't work out immediately, all we wanna do is look for continuous improvement. Right, and um, to add on what you're saying about the flex days, those flex days are the reason why we were able to get this all together is because of that extra time built into the day. Exactly. And I can't thank you and Miss Kinney enough for that because it was so helpful. <laughs> That's great feedback, and I'd love to hear that. Yeah, of course. And then um, going back to what you were saying about um, after school, or yeah, after you graduate from high school and all the different paths you take, um, I noticed that uh, Wheeling is has a hu- huge emphasis on um, – knowing your path when you graduate Mm -hmm. like there's been um so many metaphors and technologies and stuff like the pep assemblies and stuff and how important do you feel is acceptance and encouragement of all career pathways um i think that's very important Mm -hmm. i've always said i'm not in a place to tell you what i value or what i think is important Mm -hmm. okay my job is to support you in what you feel is important. 
And if you take one pathway uh, over another, that's your choice. And we're going to support you, hopefully have enough opportunities and courses there to help you be prepared for that pathway. Um, likewise, if there's another pathway that or way in life that you want to follow, for example, uh, we have our Veterans Day Assembly. Mm -hmm. You know, I've openly said, look, the military is a viable option. You know, if you're if you're not quite sure what you want to do or, you know, you realize you do know what you want to do and you can take advantage of the military to get training and, and education, like seek that out. So I think it's in, we really try to show people that we're not going to tell you what the right path is. We want mm -hmm. you to explore um, and then will help you get there. I mean, as part of our mission is we empower students to explore, care, connect, and grow in a changing world. So if you can explore and connect to something, we're going to help you grow also. Um, is there like certain pathways that there's not really like a, like a classes for that that you can take right now that maybe you want to add in the future that you could think of right now? Wow, uh, that's a great question. And so there's, there are always other pathways. Now, there's about, I think, 16 uh, recognized pathways in terms right. of mm -hmm. education. And the one thing is you can't do everything great. You know what I mean? You can't yeah. do everything mm -hmm. well. So if, you, if you're known for everything, you're known for nothing. And so... I'd almost rather limit our pathways to the ones that we're really good at. And, and I think they're pretty universal that no matter, no matter which pathway that we offer here that you take, it's going to lend itself to something else if you decide, okay, maybe I don't wanna be this, but I've taken this pathway which has prepared me and I have the skills to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. um, so I think for us, I'd rather do a few things really well than try to offer everything and yeah. not really do any of it to the best of our abilities. Right. And how would you how do you help people that don't exactly know what they're good at? Um, you know what we have an amazing uh, student services staff mm -hmm. in our in our uh, in our school counselors and so they really allow our students to explore and and talk about, think about what uh, they want to be in life and what they may want to pursue. And then we give them opportunities. We have internship opportunities. We have job shadowing opportunities where kids can kind of spend a couple hours or a day in a job site and figure out, hmm, is this something I really like doing? Mm -hmm. Can I see myself pursuing this? So right. I think there's a lot of opportunities for students to kind of figure out what they want to do. Right. And then, you know, because, like, this age, like, 14 through 18 is, like, a very interesting, oh, <laughs> you know, like, sure. a very, you know, because it's all about finding, is like, who you are, is like, your opinions, you Absolutely. know, that might be different than what your parents think or might be different than oh, what yeah. you were taught, you know. And right. You know, and the challenge is, and it kind of goes back to our mission of, uh, you know, in a changing world because we don't know what's going to be happening right. in 10 years, you know, yeah. like in front of me right now is my iPhone. 
Mm-hmm. And 11, 12 years ago, that didn't even exist. So think yeah. about all the different opportunities that kids have today because of the iPhone mm-hmm. and apps. And so we don't know in 10 years, we don't know what's going to be available to students, but how can we make them well-rounded individuals who will be adaptable and be able to uh, change careers? I mean, I'm, I'll be almost 47 this year. And sometimes I'm not sure what I want to do when I grow up, you know? It's like, yeah, I might change careers in 10 years. You never know. Yeah, and it's also, um, you know, like with technology changing rapidly, uh, you know, recent too, Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of social changes, you know, and it's like stuff with society and stuff. And uh, because, you know, I am a high school student, I've noticed that a lot of people like my age are really trying to get involved socially and politically with Mm -hmm. all these um it's almost like a new era of like human rights movements and uh, and with that yeah activism Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and with that is also animal rights and even environmental rights too and since it's like oh you know very uh, different now than how it was 10 years ago. How do you use a principal and like the counselors and the teachers? How do they? Encourage and help students learn about like what to do and how to find their voice Yeah, that's uh, That's a question for the ages and right. you know, I don't mean to keep going back to my mission st- our, our mission statement here at William high school school, but maybe maybe that's a testament to how good our mission statement is uh we, you know we we talk about empowering students mm-hmm. and yeah. that's what we want to do because all major changes in society through the the decades have really occurred on the shoulders the backs the hard work of young people mm-hmm. and you, you have this energy you have this outlook perspective that as we get older um, we lose and so we're we're really dependent on young people to kind of set the path forward and and help us keep in keep in mind what's really important right and so I think we're always trying to learn I don't have a really good answer to that but I think we're always trying to learn how do we get out of the way of young people mm-hmm. and support them in what they're trying to do and the change that they're trying to create in the world? Um, and that's maybe it's more of you know Mr. Cook philosophy, but I really trust young people, mm-hmm. and I think that if we give them the space, we give them the student voice, they will help make the world a better place. Yeah, that's very interesting because I don't really know a lot of um, people who would admit that, right. you know. And is that one of the reasons why you decided to go into the education industry? Yeah, um, I really love working with young people mm-hmm. and seeing their growth and seeing how they take something uh, that is old and make it new or adapt right, it. Yeah. <laughs> and, um you know, even just right now with this podcast, I mean, this is this is something that I'm sure you and your classmates were like, hey, I mean, we really want to start a podcast. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, Mr. Cook wasn't sitting around going, hey, let's do a podcast. 
like, I don't have time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, but when we create that time, like you said with flex days, mm-hmm. like these are the things that you guys come up with and are able to grow. And uh, so I love working with young people and seeing uh, how they impact change in the world around them. Right. And um, was that like, how was that similar or different from when you were in high school? Was that like, were you, um, were you like one of those kids that was trying their best to make change? And what about some of the, um, and how did you work with the, you know, adults at that time or that your teachers at that time? You know, um, I was not that student trying to create change. Hmm. In fact, I was the student who just kind of came to school every day, did enough, stayed under the radar, um, and graduated. And I think there was a part of me that thought, well, why am I not getting recognized? Like, why am I not being asked to do different things? And then it dawned on me, well, no one really knows who you are. (laughs) You know, like, people were like, oh, that's, that's Jerry Cook, but I was not going out of my way to do um, great things. And I didn't take advantage of a lot of the opportunities in high school. And no one really prompted me. People were like, they're fine to just allow me to go mm-hmm. through. Um, luckily, I kind of found my calling when I got to college and it all okay. kind of clicked. And I think that also is why I like working in schools and being an educator is I want to find the students who are like me and give them the motivation or give them the opportunities. Let them realize that these four years in high school are very short, but they are so, so important to the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. So, no, I was, uh, I just kind (laughs) of flew under the radar as a student. Yeah, and then... um do you feel like that? Because obviously there were always there's always going to be kids that are like that that are just kind of like they show up at eight, get everything they need to do to graduate, you know, and then right. leave at right at three nineteen. Um, how have you how have how do you feel that you help like out those kids now with your third year of being at Wheeling? I you know that's a great question once again, Jeremy, and I'm not <laughs> sure if I've done a good job with that. Um, I think I've tried to promote it. I think I've tried to support programs where um, our teachers can provide opportunities after school for kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we've tried to reinforce the students that you need to be involved in different things. You know, our, for example, next month we'll have our eighth grade elective night and we'll have our activity fair and once again you know we're trying to get our eighth graders as soon as they walk in to realize you need to sign up for something um really trying to make sure people hear the message that high school is much more than like you said for eight to three nineteen yeah uh if that's all you're doing you're missing out on probably 50 percent of your education mm-hmm. yeah and because it's like a lot of your the education that you need for your you know career pathways or potential career is at after school activities. Absolutely, I used to always say, and like I said, I didn't realize this until college, mm-hmm. um, and I wish I would have learned it earlier. 
But I would often say in college, you know, 90% of what I'm learning about myself and life and what's going to get me further in life happens outside the classroom. Mm-hmm. You know? Yes. Like the coursework was great. I learned a lot. I did very well. But the real, really meaningful stuff happened outside the classroom. Right. And uh, like you just said, uh, it's an after school activities like this that where people really get a chance to grow even further. Mm-hmm. And that um, self-growth, is that something that you try to um, have everybody, like have their aha moment, if you will, by themselves, or do you try to encourage that onto students? I think we we all try to encourage in our students, and we we have a lot of conversations as an administrative team and as a teaching staff around giving students an opportunity to have that aha moment. Or mm-hmm. to transfer their understanding, their learning to something else. And I often say, like, every person will eventually get it. It clicks at yes. some point. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of, is it going to click sooner versus later for you? And how can we help it click sooner for people so that they don't waste too much of their time or their life? Right. Um, really kind of just uh, treading water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And once they start to see why this all is important, how it all makes sense, then they start working towards their goals and then they're sprinting towards mm-hmm. uh, their life work and their life goals and they'll see, see that success. And I feel like that kind of plays into overall motivation for yeah. wanting to do things. Right. And um, obviously there's ways that you guys are trying to increase like, motivation, you know, because that could just be... Um, getting grades higher than just passing, than just passing, or yeah, I'm not quite sure what that is. <laughs> Get a little feedback. Yeah, there we go. There, sorry about that. But, but like, how do you try to encourage uh, overall motivation? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's a lot of the relevance. We're trying to make sure that our coursework is relevant. Mm-hmm. I think that's okay. really why we have our career pathways so that students can start to see um, the, the why in everything that we're doing. Mm-hmm. And I know sometimes teachers are frustrated. They'll say, well, he's, you know, a student is motivated. And I think that's, that's a reflection of our overall system in public education is too often um, the kind of the carrot, right? You know, you mm-hmm. have a carrot and a stick. The carrot too often is a grade. And if I'm not motivated by a GPA, Mm -hmm. then I'll pick and choose what I do. If the GPA is not that important to me and all I need is a credit, I just need to pass this class, well, someone's going to look at me and say, I'm not motivated. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm just not motivated by your incentives. And I think that's what frustrates teachers often is, you know, think about it. Teachers, for the most part, were very good students. They were the top students who loved school. They loved it so much they decided, I want to go back. (laughs) And so for them to work with students who are not like them, who are not motivated by grades, that can be frustrating. And that's why 
you know, we've been talking for three years now in, in different circles around, you know, how do you set up a class where um, it's not just dependent on a specific grade, but like a, a growth measure? You know, how do, how do you make it relevant to students to see that they need to continuously improve towards a certain skill? And that skill's important because of, you know, and you answer that question. Mm -hmm. But um, motivation is really uh, personal. Yeah. And I'm not expecting us, our teachers, to find every individual's motivation. Mm -hmm. uh, but we got to do a little bit better of a job of not basing all of our motivation on the attainment of a high GPA. Right. And is um, trying to find the motivation between students, is that something that you and the teachers like work on when, you know, uh, before or after school hours? We, we have a lot of discussions around that. Okay. Uh, they may be big group discussions. They may be one-on-one. -on -one. Um, our administrative team, we get together, we talk about it. Mm -hmm. And these really are not unique to just winning high school. Well, yeah, uh, there are course. conversations yeah. that we're having in public education as a whole. And what are some of the things that, well, not just Wheeling, but like all of public education, what are some things that the teachers and administrative members are trying to think about how to improve th that? Um, some people are looking at grading practices. Okay. Uh, so, for example, uh, recently I had a conversation with a teacher who wanted to set up um, kind of a portfolio and say that, you know, you have, it's kind of like a menu. Okay. And here are 10 things that we're gonna cover in the class. And you pick seven of those things. And you have to perform at a certain level on those seven things. And that's gonna give you a certain grade. And okay. then if you wanna get a higher grade, but then you gotta do a little bit more. right? So that allows a student to say, okay, this is all I need to do and I'm happy with it. Or I realize I can do a little bit more or I can do something different and get even a better grade. So the motivation becomes a little more intrinsic versus mm -hmm. extrinsic yeah. using grades. That's, that's a very interesting concept. Yeah. yeah. Do you see that becoming the future of education at all? There's a lot of uh, work around that area. So right. um, I would say in the last seven, eight years, there's been more and more conversations in the world of education around those types of approaches. They call it standards-based grading. Some people call it evidence-based learning. Uh, even the state of Illinois is piloting what's called um, competency-based learning, mm -hmm. where it's, it's your learning is around certain competencies and can you show these skills. So I often use the analogy of, say, driver's ed. Um, ultimately, your goal is to be able to drive a car well enough to get a driver's license, yes. okay? So you practice, you practice, you practice, then you take the test. And so when you go in to take that test, you either can drive or you can't drive, right? You get your license or you mm -hmm. don't get your license. They don't look back and go, oh, well, it took you a year of practicing before you're able to drive, so you're only going to get a C type of driver's <laughs> license. 
right? Yeah. Versus someone else who says, well, you learn to drive within two months, you're natural, you get an A driver's license. No, like you're able to drive, so it took you a little bit longer, that's fine, or maybe the first time you crashed, okay? If you crash the first time driving the car, it doesn't mean you never get a driver's license, it means you need a little bit more practice. And in the end, if you're able to take that driver's test and get it, you get the license. And so that's the analogy I like to use about, you know, think about it. Think about if you want to get your driver's license the first time you, your parents took you out to drive the car and you, uh, you rear-ended someone and, oh, Jeremy, you can't get a driver's license now. You just failed. Hmm. Are you going to keep yeah. practicing how to drive? We're like, no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Like, I, there's, no, there's no point now because I'll never be able to get my driver's license. So there are some things that, as a system, we sometimes put in place that demotivate students. Right, and then it's like, how do you, and where's the demotivation coming from? You know, it's like the, the like individual like teachers or just the educational system or grading system as like a whole? Yeah, I think um, historically, public education was set up to really, it was a, uh, set up under a factory model. Mm-hmm. It was to decide who fit, who didn't fit, who was gonna go to college, who was gonna go into the workplace. And uh, I think people forget that there, in a very recent history, eighth grade was really um, the end for a lot of students in their, in their public education. Yeah. You got to eighth grade and was like, okay, now I might be going on to college, so now I need to go to high school. For other people, it was, I got to eighth grade, I'm going to start working, and they went into the workplace. <laughs> and so high school was really a college prep uh, program. Everyone who went to high school, they were planning on going to college. And so those teachers in those institutions at that time were still trying to decide, well, are you really prepared for college? So we would sort kids. So the whole system um, is kind of antiquated, to be honest yeah. with you. Yeah. And so nowadays, you can't, you can't have an eighth grade level education and do anything in life. You, can't, you can barely have a high school, grad, you know, high school diploma mm-hmm. and have yes. a lot of opportunities. Right. You have yeah. to have some training after high school. And so I think as a, as a system, as an institution, public education is not kept up with the changing world. Mm-hmm. And I've said similar things to like some of my friends too, you know, because, um, you know, I'm a junior, so the SAT is coming up. Sure. And it's always like, you got to do a good job on it or else college, you know, it's yeah. just kind of like that mindset where it's like, if you don't do well on the SAT, then you won't be able to, you know, go to college and then of course it's like the end of the world kind of thoughts yeah, come in it was sure. like oh my god my whole life is ending <laughs> right but a lot of pressure yeah but then about like what you were saying about how society hasn't really adapted to those changes how does that relate to the SAT or the ACT or just standardized testing in general uh I they're perpetuating it okay. um you know it's college is a commodity People realize that you need a college degree um, to access a lot of nicer things in life. Mm-hmm. 
So it's not the only way. It's not the most important way. But it's almost the most guaranteed way. Right. Now, and there's plenty of stories of people who have gone to college and can't find a job. And I mean, it's still a consumer choice. Okay. Mm-hmm. You still have to make wise decisions about where you're going to go to college, where you're going to major in, et cetera. Um, but you have a lot of people who are st- still trying to get into school. And the SAT um, is a good predictor. Okay. There's mm-hmm. enough research there over decades that the SAT is a good indicator, good predictor of your success in, in college. It's not the only one, though. Okay. Right. Um, and there are other factors that that determine how well you will do in college. There are plenty of people who did very well in the SAT and they struggled in college. There's a mm-hmm. lot of students who didn't do so well in the SAT and did very well in college. And it's about finding the right mix, but uh, the SAT is it's it's a part of that system. And I have some real questions about the um, its reliability or validity, um, its biases. Right. Um, I mean, it's heavily, heavily concentrated on vocabulary, and if English is not your dominant language, you're going to struggle in it. Does that mm-hmm. mean you're not going to do well in college? I, I don't buy that. Man, right. you're going to get me in some hot water <laughs> here. <laughs> oh, no, I did. I don't mean to. You know, no, it's just I like, yeah. I'm just teasing. <laughs> All right. But also, it's, you know, because, like, again, what you're saying about um, people that don't do well on the SAT do good in college and people that do do on the SAT you know yeah. it's also people like a lot of you know people I know and I like, talk to it's standardized testing is just hard for mm-hmm. them like people that get really really good grades don't get so good SAT scores right and do you think there'll be a way to be like an alternative for SAT to get the same result and you know predictor as you were saying about uh, college and stuff but make it more to people that have different specialties in different areas. Well, I think that's why a lot of colleges are looking at a more holistic approach to their admissions process. And there are even some uh, very prestigious schools who have moved away from the SAT. Hmm. um, Or they've at least diminished its uh, influence or its rank, its importance in the process. And I think that's why it's more important to take a variety of rigorous courses in high school. So if you can take dual credit courses, if you can take AP courses, you are immediately showing colleges at that point that you know you can do the work. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have other competencies that you are solid in, then that's you know you have to be able to show the admissions offices, that uh, you have those, whether that's writing a really good essay or it's putting together um, some multimedia presentation where they get a sense of who you are and what you mm-hmm. can do, and then you gotta take that step be able to be able to do that. You may have to just work a little bit harder or hustle a little bit more, but um, I think a lot of schools are realizing that, it, like we say here in District 214, students are more than just a number. And I think that's why you've seen our Redefine Ready emphasis here oh, yes. in 214. Of course. Mm-hmm. Because you are, you know, it, it's more than just that SAT score. You know, can right. you show up to school every day? Can you have a high GPA? 
you know, can you volunteer? Can you be involved in activities? Can you show that you are a well-rounded individual who will be successful? Yeah, and then, um, cause I've shown like, cause I've talked to people about like, um, you know, fears of the SAT and stuff. And they're always like, it's always about the stuff you're doing, you know, cause like the podcast and the mm-hmm. broadcasting club too. And you know, all the extra right. critical activities, yeah. it's, you know, colleges like to see that on your transcript. Absolutely. And do you think that's um, equally as important as the SAT? Or you think it's uh, be getting to that point where colleges are going to be more focused on what you're doing and what kind of student you are, again, instead of just a number? Yeah, I think, you know, it's, I think every school is a little bit different. Right. But if you think about it, let's say, um, you know, I'm just guessing that you want to go into, say, media, broadcasting, multi, yeah. you know, something around those. I mean, you yeah, do a lot. Yeah, definitely in that field. Right. <laughs> So let's say you have two students who, are, who want to go into that same field. And you have um, Tim, who has uh, 1,300 on their SAT, mm-hmm. uh, but doesn't really get involved in a whole lot. And then you have Jeremy, who maybe has a 1,250, but then is doing the live streaming. Yeah is doing the podcasting, is doing the musical. All the things that you're doing, and mm-hmm. if I'm an admissions officer, I'm probably going to lean towards Jeremy, who has shown that he can do all these things and still have a very respectable SAT score. Right. You know, And you mentioned um, between Tim and Jeremy about like a 50-point difference. Um, what about scores that are like a little... Less, like, say if it yeah. was, like, um, 10 hundred as opposed to 1,300. I think so. I think that would still, okay. yeah, I think schools would look at that and say, you know, this kid will do well, especially if they're looking at the courses that you take in high school. Right. And uh, you've taken a dual credit class. You've taken an AP course. Um, even if you, like, took one AP course, I think they'll say, okay, they did well in that. Maybe they even scored a 3, 4, or 5 on the AP mm-hmm. exam. And they can show that they would be successful in college. Right. And do you feel like uh, that message that we're kind of like talking about, do you think that's conveyed a lot to high school students? Because a lot of people are freaking out, you know, about the SAT. And I feel like it's because not a lot of people more that is just more than just a number. Right. Um, I don't know if we do a a good enough job. Uh, I think you're, you're constantly bombarded with that message. Um, in your life and can the high school counter that very strong message Um, my daughter in fact my daughter is uh, in eighth grade she just she texted me earlier today she took the PSAT or she took the SAT 989 Mm -hmm. uh, a couple weeks ago and she actually texted me her score (laughs) and she's like concerned about her SAT score and she's yeah. only in eighth grade. Yeah. I, and cause I remember that when I was yeah. in eighth grade too, cause that's like the placement test mm-hmm. and that kind of decided, you know, whenever you would be in uh, regular classes as opposed to honor and right. AP. And then I remember that and I remember that with like my brother too. And it's like really stressful. And it's always been, it was always something on my mind since um really forever, even since, third grade when it was the ISAT yeah. instead of 
you know, instead of taking the PSAT. Right. It's all about get this great test score. This test score is going to yeah. be everything. So mm-hmm. that's been a constant message in your life since, like you, you said, yeah. third grade. Yeah, third grade, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And so, I mean, I remember talking to someone one day about this, and they just kind of looked at me like, really? Like, it's not just the SAT score? Right, yeah. And I'm like, no, there are other things that – make a college decide whether or not they want to accept you. And it was like, uh, you just turned the light on mm-hmm. because it's been since third grade, someone's been telling you like it's all about this test score. Yeah, and it's, it's, it really um, helps me personally. It's like confidence going into that test because it's like obviously you want to do it as best as you can, but it's not like the end of the wor- world right. per se. Right? right, right. And I feel like a lot of you know juniors and then people that – uh, still have to take the SAT in the future, or even ACT would like benefit hearing, yeah, you know. Yeah. So it's a very, yeah, valid point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, as far as like, because uh, we were talking a lot about colleges and after high school opportunities, in high school, you know, once again, you've been here for th- three years. Mm-hmm. And what are some of your like short and like long-term goals? You know, I guess I know that's like a pretty basic question, but it's a you know it's a very important one too. So I would say, in very general terms, my long-term goal is for Wheeling High School to work for all students. Mm-hmm. And uh, my the staff here have heard, has has heard me say this numerous times, like as a school. It works, okay? Right. Wheeling High School is a great school. It works for a good uh, percentage of, my, of our population. It doesn't work for everyone, okay? And right. I think it's kind of like some of the, the themes that we've been talking about today is you know, the motivation and the pathways and opportunities for people. And I want to make sure that Wheeling High School works for all all students and so if you come into our building freshman year you should have as much of an opportunity to reach your goals at graduation or after graduation as anyone else regardless of your um, country of origin the language you speak at home the income level of your parents, uh, your racial background, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, public schools. There's a direct correlation between the income of families and student performance. Okay. Right. And I want to buck that trend. And regardless of what your household income is, you can take advantage of our school resources and receive a, the same opportunity, the same outcomes as anyone else. And how do we make sure that all students have access to the best opportunities? And how do we make sure that all students have equitable outcomes? Mm-hmm. Um, that not just certain students are benefiting from our school. Right, and how does that translate to other high schools? Like, say, somebody transfers to Wheeling in, like, say, their junior year, 
you know, it's like they have two different um, perspectives of what high school is like. How does that, again, like the whole culture of Wheeling and the Wheeling Way and like that whole um, philosophy, how does that translate? So anyone transferring into Wheeling High School is most likely going to have tons of more opportunities than they had at their high school. Um, just it's, it's just a fact. Um, you know I mean, think about it. We offer a guitar two class here. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. We offer orchises. Um, those are types of classes that other students don't have. We have a media course. Yeah. Media, right. what, one through eight? <laughs> that other kids don't have. So there are, anyone come into Wheeling High School from another school, they're gonna be blown away by the opportunities. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have a nine period day. You can take seven classes and still have a study hall. Mm -hmm. Um, So when I say like, it has to work for everyone, there's just the kind of this overall system that's in place that leads to some demotivation for some students Mm -hmm. and i I, and i can't put my finger on it and that's what we're trying to figure out um you know i often you know you you alluded to like the assemblies and i'm always trying to like tell a story or use an analogy to kind of communicate something to people and another one i i have that i kind of use this when talking with individuals is high school is is like a buffet Okay, it's like Golden Corral or Old Country Buffet. Yeah. Like you have all of these things, these opportunities here. And for example, my kids love Golden Corral. Mm -hmm. And they'd say, Dad, can we go to Golden Corral? Okay. Well, we go to Golden Corral and they'd have fettuccine Alfredo out Mm -hmm. there, steaks, tacos, Asian food. Pasta. I mean, they would have everything, right? Mm-hmm. And my son would only want buttered noodles. <laughs> okay? So we're paying all this money to go to a buffet, and he'll have buttered noodles. Now, he'll, you know, he has a sweet tooth, so he wants yeah, some pudding know, and this but, and that, but mm-hmm. he's eating buttered noodles. <laughs> and it's like, this is a waste. Wait, I could have made buttered noodles for you at home, right? Like, I could have right. bought a package of noodles for probably $5, that it would lasted three or four days of him eating nothing but noodles. And that's what high school is for some students. Mm-hmm. It's this buffet, and every day they're coming to school, and all they're having is the educational equivalent of butter noodles. It's very interesting, like, once you put it into perspective, you know. Right. Like, why? Yeah. Why are you coming here? And then you have all these things, and you're not taking advantage of it. And then, again, I feel like that's, like, motivation right you know, it's like and then again uh, certain aspects that are demotivating students as well yeah so it's just very um you know i guess that would be a goal too to try to like improve that you know as f- and i guess that also goes hand in hand with the school spirit too mm-hmm. yeah you know and um the wheeling way and things could you know yeah i think um i think sometimes students think we're the enemy like we're forcing you to go to school and you have right. to do this mm-hmm. and um, it's a, we're trying to do it against their will. 
And so it's like, no, we're here to support you. Like, we're not doing this to you. Mm-hmm. We're trying to do this with you or for you so that you can take advantage of it and be so much more successful in life and really change the trajectory of your family's uh, future. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, the, I think, the frustrating for a lot of us as adults and me as a, a principal is, you know, like, here, you, look at this buffet we have for you today. And all you're having is butter noodles. <laughs> I feel like that's a very amazing uh, closing point, too, to basically sum up um, what we've been talking about as far as, like, opportunities and school spirit and then So thank you so much for being on the podcast. This was a great experience, Jeremy. Yeah, uh, loved it. And I look forward to hopefully uh, having some more uh, conversations with you in the future. Yeah, same here you know it's like a very you know and hopefully people can hear this and listen and think about the things we've talked about as far as motivation so yeah, yeah. thank you so much for being my pleasure here. anytime now hopefully we can get some feedback from other people and thoughts yes. and mm-hmm. uh, open up some dialogue yeah hopefully all right all right thank you all right you have been listening to w cat the den all right have a nice day and make sure you make smart choices thank you